most people here uh, know you for, you know, your involvement in Branch and just the Web3 community in general. But um, if you could introduce yourself, uh, you know, like how old you are, where you're based out of, uh, what kind of work you do, that would, that would be great. Absolutely. So my name is Charles. I'm one of the co-founders of Branch. We're based out of Seattle, Washington right now, and we're building what we believe to be the number one way to get a mass audience into crypto via gaming. So yeah, we, um, I'm 24 right now, and uh, I'm here with my co-founders, Dayton and Connor, in Seattle. We kind of all live together in a house, and uh, we call it the Branch House. The studio name is Branch, and the game we're building is called Castaways. But uh, yeah, that's what we're we're working on right now. I can kind of uh, get into what Castaways is. Yeah, I definitely want to get into that. And I also want to ask you a bit about what it's like living with your co-founders and stuff. Um, but first of all, um, I'm always curious, how did you get started in the space? I know a lot of people, um, you know, maybe start out coding Discord bots or something, but um, you guys are in gaming. So I'm wondering if, if uh, you know, it has something to do with gaming. Oh, it definitely does. So all three of us started out at a young age, you're building Minecraft servers. So before we ever raised money or started a real company, we built, we made fortunes building these massive Minecraft servers. And uh, it's interesting, because if you know anything about Minecraft, these, uh, it's like a mini business. You have uh, a volunteer staff team of like 50 people. You deal with the YouTubers and influencer marketing. You have, uh, you know, your community upkeep, your regular content discord, like your content updates. So Minecraft, I'm sure, probably needs no explanation, but you can actually run servers to where people can like type in your IP and go to your server and play your games. And we would build these massive faction servers, which is basically like you build bases and raid each other in prison where you like grind out like uh, mines and rank up and all this, all this crazy content on Minecraft. So all three of us actually got started that way, and uh, that's how we met each other in Minecraft. Dayton, the uh, CEO of Branch, actually started a company called StatsCraft, which was acquired by uh, the by by Tebex, which is like the payment processor. It's like Stripe for Minecraft. So like if you run a Minecraft server, you need a way to like monetize it, right? By making like ranks or have like little diamond packages. So you go to Tebex. And uh, that's how we would make the money, right? So we would basically set these stores up where if you're on our server, and let's say you can get a higher rank, which allows you to, you know, fly and have all these perks. So that's how we got started in the gaming space from a young age. And um, wow. yeah, so I, would, I was an engineer before I actually owned my own Minecraft server. So I would uh, work on other people's Minecraft servers and... Uh, one day I was like, well, now hold on, I, I can do all this and I can build all this. So I uh, decided to have a little whack for myself. And uh, yeah, that's how I got started building my own little companies. Wow. Okay. Yeah, that's crazy. Um, a lot of people that, we, that we've spoken to uh, over the past months have a very, very similar story. Um, and so it seems like a ton goes into it. You know, you mentioned payment systems, uh, obviously the, the, the coding aspect, um, but also managing like 50 volunteers. Um, so you said that there were there are three of you? Yeah, there are. There's uh, myself, 
there's uh, my one of the co-founders is Connor and the CTO and then Dayton the CEO and uh, we all come from uh, similar backgrounds which is pretty interesting cool okay and so which ones you know like were you, I assume that you were the one focusing on the development aspect um, were you all focusing on that or did some of you focus on you know team management or design or community management in the actual mm -hmm. Minecraft servers yeah yeah so Dayton Connor is the uh, is the, like the tech guy and he he would focus on how to actually scale these these Minecraft servers to oblivion right and how to actually make these like crazy systems and basically break Minecraft to do extraordinary things like his latest adventure in Minecraft uh, prior to branch was rebuilding Disneyland one for one inside Minecraft which is a massive feat um, because in Minecraft, you actually can't edit the client. You can't build things. Um, so you have to kind of fake things and like use entities and manipulate things to make things happen. And uh, it's it's still up today. He uh, I don't, He's not involved that much in it anymore, but that's what he's done. Wow. And um, yeah, he was kind of the, he's kind of the hacker. And D Dayton built StatsCraft, which is basically an analytics platform so he wasn't too much into the whole um, tech thing. He he kind of was like, he's kind of like the visionary to where he has these ideas and uh, he kind of gets hackers to help him. So yeah, he built StatsCraft, which is a analytics platform for your Minecraft server. So you needed to, you know, know why they were leaving or how many people were joining and where they were coming from. And he, he knew that from an early age that that was important. So he uh, basically wow. built that and then sold it to Tebex. And me, I kind of just built these Minecraft servers in general. I was just interested in the community aspect. I uh, I really enjoy building large communities, you know, cultivating the product around them. Interesting. Okay. And how old were you all when you were doing this? Um, wow. I, I'd, I'd have to say like 14, 13. I'm 24 Jeez. now and uh, Connor's 25 and Dayton's 24. So yeah, we it was it was around right after Minecraft came out and uh we really didn't take much time to start building with it cuz it was just it's such a amazing sandbox game where like literally anything you can think of you can build, which is kind of what we're trying to replicate with Castaways. Right. Okay. And um so you're 14, you're working with these two other guys. Um I'm sorry, I can't remember. Did you know them in real life or was this like no. a remote situation? It was all online through uh, through you know platforms like Discord, but before Discord, it was uh, Skype. Oh my God! Okay, that's insane. And so you, I know you are all in Washington now. Were did you all start out in the same state, or were you spread across the U.S.? No, Dayton was in Canada. Actually, I was in North Carolina, and Connor is the only one native to Washington. Wild. Okay. Cool. And um, so it does, it sounds like a lot of responsibility, um, you know, personally managing like school and, and build a group and, and photography lounge and other startups is, get, can get like really difficult. Um, did you guys just like, were you killer students? Uh, were you slacking off? Uh, did you guys end up going to university? How did that go? So Connor is the only one that actually of us three that finished high school and college. Dayton and I actually dropped out of high school to build these Minecraft servers um, 
just because personally I dropped out just because I wasn't learning anything valuable in the middle of Ohio at the time. And I, uh, when I started building these Minecraft servers, I was, you know, making my teachers yearly salaries in a month very quickly after. So I was like, yeah, I can't, I really can't, you know, afford to waste any time in school. And right now I'm trying to, you know, I want to build these massive servers. I want to, at the time I thought Minecraft, you know, I didn't like, I thought Minecraft was the ceiling. So I was like, well, I'm just going to become the king of Minecraft. But uh, yeah, I actually didn't, Dayton or I didn't finish high school, just Connor. Connor, uh, yeah, he, he finished high school all the way up to college. He uh, Andy was killing it in Minecraft. So shout out wow. to him. Yeah, I mean, I, some people are just built different, I guess. Um, True. Well, that that's wild. So you, you're making like a crazy amount of money. Um, and so, and you're, and you're 14. So how, like, where's this money going? Like, do your, are your parents involved? I mean, they must be, I guess, if you, if you end up dropping out of high school. Yeah. So, uh, part of the family details, like, um, the, the, the funny thing about that, the whole story is when, when you're that young, you can't actually open up any financial accounts, at least back then, then maybe things have changed. But, um, so we would open up a PayPal account and it would be unverified, right? So we would put the Tebex store to the PayPal account, but after a while they'd, they'd notice, hey, it's not verified and it's, you know, having tens of thousands of dollars through the PayPal account, so they'd shut it down. <clears throat> and whatever money you had in the PayPal account would be locked forever because you can't verify it because obviously you're not of age. So <laughs> this would constantly happen to both Dayton and I. So we would have these PayPal accounts with tens of thousands of dollars just sitting them getting locked. Um, and, you know, we'd have server bills to pay and builders and staff. And we, we couldn't because it would just, you know, we'd get locked. We have to start another one on to the next one. And that's kind of when uh, Dayton found out about Bitcoin that early. But it wasn't really mainstream as it is now. But uh, that that was his first experience with cryptocurrency because he, he thought, well, man, if this was mainstream, I could use this and we wouldn't have any problems because... You know, it's just a wallet. You don't need to verify anything. There's no chargebacks. Because another thing about Minecraft is the chargeback rate is really rampant because if you get banned off like a server or like, you know, some of these kids just know that the, they can abuse the system, they'll just charge back all their purchases and get their money back. And then your account would get banned for that as well. Wow. That, okay, that's crazy. Um, so, I mean, out of curiosity... Uh, how much money did you guys lose just thanks to, to uh, PayPal accounts being locked? Probably tens of thousands of dollars. I mean, you, you, you would sometimes be able to like move, move it to the next one, depending on how, like there was different states of it being locked. Um, it's, it's honestly really like gross process. I'm sure it still is. But thankfully these days, you know, everything's legit ran through a business. So because we are of age, but back then there's just no other way. Wow. Okay. So this was uh, like the 2010s. You guys are using Bitcoin. You're finally learning about it. Um, yeah. That's insane. And and I, I assume you guys weren't incorporated, or, you know, incorporated. No, or absolutely not. No, we were, we were just kids at that point. Wow. Okay. Got it. And so you guys are friends. None of you live in the same area, really. Um, two of you drop out of high school. I mean, are are you guys? You guys must be, have been like really, really close at this point. Yeah, we um, like I said, instead of focusing on school, I I would uh, 
I would get home and I would just build these Minecraft servers and we would just sit in calls for like 14 hours on Skype, just building, building these plugins, building these game modes out, figuring out, you know, we were learning how things worked really, how to monetize, how to run a 50 person staff team, how to acquire users, like all these things. It's, it's like a mini business within this game. And that's, that was our first experience on how, how any of this really worked at a young age. Wow. Yeah. And I mean, um, I don't even know if you can call that a mini business. I mean, you know, tens of thousands of dollars is is not so many. Um, <laughs> if you were in any other field, you know, investors would be swarming you guys. Um, I know. It's strange. Yeah. So it seems like, you know, you just got like an IV injection of experience from like a really early age. Um, yeah. Yeah. So it's not really at all surprising now that I learned that, you know, that you guys are where you are now. Um, so, so one of, uh, the, the, the founders went off to university. Did that take up a lot of his time? Were you guys sort of like in a dip while he was so busy with, with studies? So we were, we were disjoint for a while. Um, we weren't really working on the same, we would kind of just help each other out with the different projects. And sometimes I'd join Connor's, sometimes Connor's would join me. You know, it wasn't really, we weren't all working on the same things at the same time. Um, they really, though, it really came together with the branch where we just dropped everything else and uh, focused on branch. Got it. Okay. And so, branch starting out because, like, uh, when I when I met you virtually, of course, um, branch was like a completely different thing than it is now, and I thought it was very fascinating. Um, a lot of other people thought so as well. Um, and it was it was VC backed, right? Uh, not at the start, but yeah, Branch actually started out as a virtual office app during the height of COVID. Uh, so it started out as basically this thing that you could, that your, any company could use to build their, like a little office virtually in a 2D platformer. And you could build your little rooms and you could talk to people with proximity chat. And you could, uh, it was like a little virtual space for your, for your co-working, right? So you could still have your little room. You could walk up to people and have a water cooler conversation and whatnot. And that it was built out, a prototype was built out for like nine months before it was, before Dayton raised money. And I wasn't a part of this at all, nor was Connor. Okay. And um, so, so basically that happened. And then for, I think a year or two after it was still an office app until, uh, we finally pivoted to consumer within the office app. So it was so it wasn't really working. COVID was lifting up restrictions. Everyone was kind of going back to work. So we decided, well, why does this need to be just for for remote work? Let's just open it up for consumer, right? So anyone who ever who wants to start a virtual space, they can just do it on branch. Okay. Okay. And yeah, that's that's exactly that's sort of like around the air the time that I I you know checked in. Um, yeah. Yeah. And I want to talk a lot about that. Um, but before we go there, I do want to just get like a better idea, like going from, um, I mean, you know, it, it's crazy when, you know, when people talk about doing, you know, having little businesses uh, within games like Minecraft, usually there's like a pretty, um, you know, slow but steady arc between, you know, being a kid working on Minecraft servers and then, you know, founding like a huge tech startup. Um, but for you guys, it seemed like pretty much, I mean, relatively speaking, from the get-go, you guys were doing really big things 
in, uh, you know, in the, the niches that you were in. Um, so did you guys go straight from working on, on Minecraft stuff to, to branch or was there like a, a period where maybe you were venturing into different, uh, startups or different spaces? Yeah. So it was, um, there was a little bit of period before, you know, the kickoff with Minecraft where I was just an engineer working on plugins and like basically the, they were as well. And we would just build these little plugins for people or maybe logos, a little graphic design and whatnot until we realized we could do it ourselves. But um, yeah, so so as far as after things kind of exploded in Minecraft, no, it, that branch was, um, there were, there was a few things that we both, we all worked on disjointly. N never venture capital uh, funded. It was just, you know, little projects or apps or little Unity games and stuff like that. Little, uh, you know, graphics work, just like little projects, nothing like insanely to the scale of Minecraft. But um, yeah, it was we're, we're builders by heart, so we do just to get these ideas, and we have a hundred domains just like every other builder of projects that we're gonna start, and then never we start the code base and the GitHub project, and then <laughs> it never goes anywhere. So a lot, a lot of that for a while. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm pretty sure everyone here kind of goes through that that stage. Um, I know it's natural. Exactly. Yep. <laughs> um okay and so you mentioned dayton is it the one uh who focused on raising yeah dayton's the one who um has raised all of our funding and started branch okay and he, is he the one that's based in canada uh no he so he was in canada but yeah now now we are all in seattle um we live together in a the branch house and we have a office in pioneer square inside seattle wow okay got it um and so I know that uh, before we before we started the talk, you mentioned something about Gen Z Mafia, um, another builder community uh, that was around a little before Builder Group, um, and I thought that was super interesting because, um, you know, like get, just getting access and sort of getting in, in VC circles can be can be difficult, um, especially you know being so young and not going on such a traditional path. You know, usually people. Uh, go to Y Combinator or, you know, work on Wall Street for a bit. Um, so I, I'm wondering how you guys started getting access to these really mainstream, huge players. Yeah, so the so Dayton lived in Missouri for a while. And basically, when he when while he was building this prototype for branch, he never knew he, he never knew anything about raising money or venture VCs or anything like that. But he knew he wanted to build it. There was a there was some there was a team there that was working volunteer for the for to build this product. So this is actually why I like Builder Group so much. And this is why I'm always in here because there really is not was nothing like this um, even just a few years ago. So there was this there is and still is this group called Gen Z Mafia that he got added to. Uh, I don't know how, and basically. He, there's a whole tweet thread on it, actually. I, I was going to link later because I uh, know somebody was wondering about the whole raise. But um, he met people in there, and they uh, one of the members kind of taught him how to build a pitch deck and raise money and, uh, you know, taught him all about the process and that it existed. And that's how he raised the first round to build out the Office app uh, by, by having connections in that Discord. So that's why wow. th these kind of groups are really important for young builders to get access to those people, those players, and to learn how that works. Right. Yeah, that that's wild. Um, and 
do you know, like from the point that, you know, he was working on the pitch deck and stuff like that to, you know, where you actually got like a term sheet and, and was, you know, started to be able to use uh, this capital. Um, was it a long time? Did you, were you guys really trying, uh, you know, hard and with difficulty or did things go relatively smoothly? Yeah, so I wasn't uh, I wasn't a part of Branch at this time, but I do know about the history and everything. So it's it was mostly from a lot of angel investors that the first seed round for Branch was raised, and um, he met a, like he met he met some key people that helped him kind of close it up and meet. Usually, if you meet a few people, they'll meet, introduce you to a few other people, and then a few other people, and you know it kind of just takes that one spark usually. But uh, yeah, that's how that that happened. Okay, got it. That that's crazy. Um, and so, so you joined Branch once they had already raised, and they were able to hire yeah. you. Yeah. Okay. Got it. Um, and when you guys had raised, were you like already moved to Seattle, or was it still sort of like a dream? No, it, we were just heads down building for over a year straight. Um, I was still uh, on the East Coast, and. Uh, yeah, we were just, it would be just 12 hours a day of just building this office app out to completion and kind of just figuring out what worked and what didn't work for a long time there. Wow. Okay. Got it. Um, and so you're working away on this app. Um, obviously, you guys have development experience from your past work. Uh, was it like a, a long process? Did you guys have like a prototype at the start that you used to, to pitch? Um, or was it like, uh, something that, you know, came to fruition over time? Yeah, there was a prototype, uh, before the raise. Um, it was very shrewd, you know, as most prototypes are, but it kind of conveyed that sense of virtual space and serendipity with the proximity chat. And, uh, you know, you could just have a little office and you could go up to somebody and say, Hey, what's up? And, you know, because it was proximity chat, if you were inside a room, no one else could hear you. So it was, it's very like. It was meant to be a replacement for, you know, the real office because of the height of COVID. Everyone was working remotely. Right. And it was pretty cool. We actually still use it internally, <laughs> like uh, for our own team. Like not no one else uses it now, but it's uh, it's funny because we still use it. Maybe just because we love it so much because we worked on it. But it, it is a cool little idea. Yeah, I was about to ask about that, actually, because you guys did start out as a completely remote company. Um it must have been really awesome to to use uh, what you're building, you know, day in, day out for such a crucial part of, uh, you know, how the team works. Um, yeah. Um, we so there's a lot of details there. I could go on forever with the why we pivoted. But um, the main thing is, is we kind of figured out that people don't really like to work remotely. Wow. <laughs> um, it doesn't uh, it. uh we uh, yeah. we moved we went like the office app wasn't working too well, so we moved it to consumer, and that worked substantially better when we kind of opened it up for anyone to use instead of it just being an office product, so anyone could come on and build a virtual space, and that's when we kind of we figured out a lot of things that we're still using today to build Castaways. We figured out that it being in browser was insane for acquisition, right? Because if you think about a traditional game. You have to go to Steam, maybe you have to download Steam, you have to buy the game, wait for it to download. If I want to play with you, you have to go download Steam, buy the game, wait for it to download. But with the consumer uh, branch app, it was just a click, of a, a link click. 
and within two seconds we were both playing in this virtual world yeah so the accessibility is a huge factor yeah absolutely i mean if you think yeah. about you know a twitch streamer streaming a game uh how many people are really going to convert to a user of that game but if it's just a link and they drop it in chat you know we were we were seeing conversion rates of over 80 like percent on just because it's just a click of a click of a link really wow yeah that's incredible 80 percent. that that's wild i don't think i've ever heard that before yeah 80%. i mean wow you can just come play with the streamer with just a click of a link really and that's right. big yeah no that that's huge um and so wow sorry i just i have to soak that in <laughs> that's wild. um and, and so trans you know moving from um you know being like an internal team communications app to consumer um what was what like what were the use cases that you you saw popping up were there any that surprised you so people the influencers in particular well there, there's a few things but people used branch to, to build literally anything people were building pizza huts burger factories they were building like school little meetups to where little school projects they would come in and meet up and work on it like literally anything you could think of like a true metaverse of of culmination the interesting thing though is for an influencer um it's it's super easy to cultivate your audience so we we saw people on twitch would use it for like the meet and greets right so they would start a little branch world and they would like go live on twitch link the little branch world and their audience could come in and meet them like one by one go into the little room meet them ask like ask a question and then you know kind of say what's up and then the next one would come in and the next one and because it again it was only a click of a link that worked insanely well for them hmm. yeah interesting so I would imagine, you know, be, the, the the fact that it is so accessible and the barrier of entry is so low, um, I bet you have like incredible things going on in Branch as well as like maybe some negative things. I can only assume, you know, as the internet happens, uh, you know, to, you know, tends to be. Um, uh, so I'm curious what moderation is like on a platform like Branch. Um, did you guys, you know, was it was it really reliant on just like auto moderation systems or did you guys have some sort of human uh, process or was it maybe not even an issue at all? So it was kind of um, self-moderating in the sense, just like this Discord server, you have a team of moderators and you're moderating it. So people would moderate their own branch when they would start it. The influencers would have their Twitch mods come in and mod the, the actual branch as well. Okay, got it. Yeah. No, so we had like a light moderation with chat or whatnot, but it was self-moderating in the sense that you were responsible for your own community, just as Discord. Interesting. Okay, no, that makes sense. That that's great that you didn't have to, you know, invest too much time on that because mm -hmm. the users themselves were able to handle that. That's really that's great. Um. So I mean, it, it feels like this is going pretty well, you know, at that point. Um you know you you adjusted a bit you know who you were targeting and you guys saw an improvement um so what started to go wrong like because uh, a lot of people now know you know if you go to branch.gg it's it's not the same landing page that it was x amount of months ago so what what went into you guys wanting to change yeah so there were there was uh, so many factors but the the main thing was we moved to consumer you know, close to, like very close to the end of that product. Um, 
because we were trying to make the Office app work for a long time. And then when we hit consumer, that's when we kind of, uh, you know, realized what we did want to build. And again, we all came from Minecraft and building games, so the Office app wasn't really a game. It was, you know, a way for teams, you know, have that have that virtual experience that they had in Office, kind of replicate that because it had those features. But when we moved to consumer and we realized like these insane features of a web browser game, that's it was kind of uh, near the end of that. And it's kind of like trying to make an app into a game because it was never built to be a game. So the scale, like it was meant for 10 people, like a very small team, right? Like it wasn't meant for thousands of people to, to join at once or like it didn't have games. All the furniture in the game itself was like office furniture. There, there was no features of a game. It was just, you know, a little, it was an office app. So right. that's when we realized, you know, hey, this is, you know, this wasn't built to do the things we're trying to make it do at this point. We're probably going to need to go back to the whiteboard and, you know, build a new vision here with this. Got it. And um, so I'm trying to think of this from like an investor's perspective, because I would imagine, you know, obviously investors are always going to be looking you know, for their returns eventually. Um, and so I, I would imagine if it was like a bootstrapped business, maybe you guys would have been working harder to to make the, the office app work for like longer, um, unless you guys really just, you know, you knew what the right direction to go in was regardless of, of monetization. Um, but I actually, I, I do want to ask about monetization. How does, how are you guys monetizing the the old office app and how are you guys monetizing the new uh game so the old app was just based on like a per per seat basis like again the consumer like we we made a like a little chest like a loot box kind of thing which is kind of funny because that's how you monetize the minecraft servers uh when we switched to consumers but prior to us moving to a consumer model with the office app it was just like a standard per seat pricing model um and then when we moved to consumer, we were doing more game gamified things, right? With loot boxes and cosmetics. So you'd have these crazy outfits you can put on your character and uh, quests. And, and we just added like various game mechanics to the actual office app. Got it. Yeah, that's uh, that's kind of the vibe that I, I really enjoyed from Branch when it was the, the office app. Um, it just felt so playful. It didn't really feel like, you know, you were in the office. Um, and and that's something that you know definitely attracted me, and I would have imagined that it would have made people you know enjoy working remotely so much more. So it's interesting that you guys found eventually that that people really ended up you know wanting to to work in person. Um, so yeah, oh man, it's fascinating that you guys you know you started off working in the game space and you ended up gamifying work, which you know in my opinion it worked really well. Yeah, um, I, I think maybe, you know, given us given more of a hindsight view, I mean, hindsight's always twenty twenty. but the main thing is, is people really liked to play together rather than use it as a tool to work. So when we kind of noticed that, that's when we started moving into those uh, game game mechanics. And then we kind of, you know, realized what we, we, we were building. We realized what we we're actually building at that point. Right. Um, and so when you were making the transition, I mean, how big a deal is that from like an official standpoint, like legally, um, or like an investor standpoint, was this something that was kind of just like you had a team meeting and you said, you know what, 
this is the right direction to go in. Let's do it. Or did you really have to, like, was it a big deal? Did, were you having to, to speak with investors and, you know, maybe change titles or, or whatever in legal documents? Um, no. So, uh, so it was a big deal. It was a multi-month process to uh, kind of go back to the drawing board and realize that we couldn't make this office app. We couldn't mold it to what we wanted it to be because it was built the entire code base was was built for to be this product that uh, we no longer wanted it to be. So you know when you have when you're building a consumer game like this, you know scaling, actually having the tools of a of a real game engine is important as well because we weren't using a game engine. It was just um, some JavaScript rendering library called Phaser, which is uh, for for to building for building a large game is really difficult without like tools of Unreal and Unity. So we had to basically throw the entire product out and, and think about, you know, what we were, what we did actually want to build and uh, use, we were using like, uh, we're right now we're using Unity as an authoring platform, but um, with the code base of the Office app, it was just so bad because for a year straight, we were just pushing these changes. And then when we moved to the consumer product, we were just pushing these crazy, like we were pushing it to its limit and do, making it want to do things that it could not do, right? Like you couldn't have more than 50 people in a branch without it lagging insanely and voice starting to distort. But yeah, when we started to realize what we wanted to build and what we wanted the product to be, we it was multiple months of uh, kind of figuring that out and talking to investors, like you said, and uh, figuring out what was next. Wow. Okay. And so were the, were your partners, you know, whether they're investors or, or whatever else, you know, even teammates maybe, um, cause wait a minute, how, how big was the team at this point? It was around, um, so there was, uh, I think five engineers at that point. It, it was probably around 10 or 12 people. Okay. And were they at all phased by this pivot? Did they, you know, lose interest or, or did they gain interest? Yeah, some of them lost interest just because, you know, crypto is a very uh, hot topic, to say the least. <laughs> so some of them didn't like the fact that we were, you know, moving to crypto. But um, a lot of them did like the vision. And uh, we were already moving to that consumer product for, for many months at that point and seeing success there and seeing and we were imagining what it could be if it was built properly. So, yeah, um, it was a... It was a it was a a, a phase of a transition there for a while. Yeah, I'd imagine. Um, and so you know, just taking a look at you know you you guys's crunch base, um, you see some like huge names like Naval Ravikant, uh, Coinbase Ventures. You know, um, were they you know because I know Coinbase especially among others uh, that invested in you guys um, are really Web three focused. Um, I assume that they didn't have any involvement prior to the pivot, right? No. So, so, so we, it's basically like we started a brand new company, but the, the, it is the, still the same company um, because the direction is entirely, entirely different. But we have, we are bringing what we learned in from that previous product into this, which was quite valuable. Got it. And so did a lot of investors from your first round stick with you guys? Were they curious to see uh, what was, what was coming? A lot of them wanted us to do this from the start. They a lot of them, um, a lot of them like thought we were going to build Minecraft in the browser, um, and they were most of them were excited to hear this actually, because uh, wow. 
yeah, a lot of them wanted us to integrate with crypto. A lot of them wanted us to, you know, gamify it. So a few of them knew it was going to happen even before we did, which was interesting. That's interesting. Yeah, that is interesting. Um, I mean, were you at all nudged maybe by advisors or investors? Or was this something that you guys really um, knew had to be done, you know, especially given the fact that you were turned on to Bitcoin at such a young age? Well, the thing is, is once we figured out what could be, and once we learned with the consumer, with the office app, like we opened it up to consumers and we realized what we were building here and what kind of the technology enabled us with WebRC and instant playable links and all the all these features that aren't really being utilized right now. When we started building this new vision, um, it was pretty easy for, for all of us to be on board with it because of our, our past with Minecraft and whatnot. And uh, when you're passionate about building something, you know, that's very infectious. Yeah, uh, of course. Cool. Um, and so I know you mentioned that you guys are living in the same house. Uh, remind me what it's called. It's called the Branch House. So like that's our unofficial title of it. But we all live together in, a, in the Branch House. And um, then we have an office in the middle of Seattle. Okay, yeah. Very creative name. Um, <laughs> <laughs> okay, that's really cool. I feel like that's a dream for a lot of co-founders. Um, but I also do know that a lot of co-founders who do end up getting there, uh, I think Jamie Pine included, who we had a, a builder talk with in the past, um, found out that it's really not as great as it first, you know, initially might sound. Um, are you guys finding success with it? Is it is it easy to to have like that work life balance when you guys are are uh, you know, with each other all the time. So uh, I love Jamie, by the way. He was a huge inspiration for me as well. Um, the thing about us in particular is we were friends for a decade prior to, you know, ever doing this. So we're, we didn't go into this, you know, business only. We're, we, 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 we became friends because of who we are and what we love doing. Like their work-life balance, like building is, you know, what we want to do. That is the life, you know. I mean, that is the mission: is to build great things for people. So when you're not actually, you know, I guess working, it's a bit different um, because you're all bonded around a common vision, and we we really do believe in what we're building every day. So it's instead of you know instead of it being like oh we've got to do this, you know, we have the laptop out laptops out all the time, just like saying oh what's going on, what do you need help with, you know, just building like that's the great thing because. You know, when you are friends for this long, like 10 years before ever starting something this big, um, you know, you know each other's, you know, weaknesses and strengths and you're able to work so much more efficiently. Yeah, that, that I mean, it feels like you guys kind of reached the dream in, in that uh, in that way, because I, I, that's pretty much what everyone who, who thinks about moving in with their co-founders is like hoping for. Right. You know, friendship gets stronger, the business gets stronger and it's just good all around. Um, yeah. So, well, props to you guys, first of all. Um, and does it ever set in? Like, I, I know so much, uh, in, you know, in the, um, on, you know, like startup space, so much focus is put onto the VC aspect of things. Um, so I don't want to go too hard on that, but do you, you know, does it ever set in like that you guys have raised 15 million for your, your newest, uh, go around? I mean, you know, raising money is a way for us to build out 
our vision, right? I mean, any when anytime you you raise a lot of companies never raise money. You know, the Minecraft stuff, we never raised money, but it does help to be able to compete with larger players, especially because we need those seasoned game engineers that are you know taken up by these large AAA game studios, and um, it really does enable us to to build this thing out to completion. But uh, we have a very very great board of angels and leads and uh we're very lucky in that regard yeah yeah it's incredible um and i i know that you know at, at a certain point founders you know might feel like the most important thing is just to raise money from from whoever you know walks in the door first um were you guys paying more attention to who the people actually were and, and what kind of value they could provide, um, you know, from an advisory standpoint, was that important at all to you guys? Or was it really just, um, you know, who could, who could support us the most financially? No, it was definitely about, you know, the support of, uh, who could, the advisor it was, especially at the start, it was, it's really important to get, you know, a solid team together. But, um, yeah, so the, 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 the thing there is, um, Dayton is the one. Dayton is the one who raises the you know raises all the rounds, right? So we kind of have our own roles in that regard. Where uh, Connor is kind of the hacker of the group, so he's the you know crazy tech focused person. Dayton's kind of the visionary, so he you know had the vision, went out and you know spread the word, got people on board with it, and you know got the investors. And I'm kind of like the hustler to where I'm kind of from a day to day basis, make like pushing us towards our goals, our shared vision here making sure things are happening, you know, and, you know, organizing the output. And um, when you have a kind of a team like this, everyone has like, we're all working together. And um, so it's not just like a, one person doing everything, whereas you sometimes have that with companies and founders, right? You just have one founder kind of pushing the entire boat himself. So that also helps a lot. Right. Yeah, that's great. Um... And so now you guys are working on Castaways. It's a web-based game, right? Yep. Okay. So yeah, Castaways um, is um, Castaways is what we kind of came out from that with. We took all the experience we learned with the Office app, and we went to the whiteboard and we built out a grand game design document about what we're going to be building with Castaways, and uh, that's what we're working on right now, building that pr prototype out and proving it. Wow. Okay. And um, so you guys pivoted. How many months ago was it? It was. Um, it was as the start of January, so the start of this year. Okay. And so I, I remember. Sorry. Uh, it, I'm just saying it was took. It took a little. It, there was a transition period there of like closing out, you know, the office app and starting this of a few months. Got it. Yeah. So uh, you guys have had like uh seven months or so eight months to to be working on on castaways now i remember there was a, a beta that i hopped on um maybe a few months ago i'm not sure uh and it seemed you know really cool um it's like a, a raft based game if i'm if i'm not mistaken yeah um and uh, how's progress coming along with that like uh, I, I would imagine there's there's so much to to focus on building a, a video game from scratch Oh yeah, absolutely. So what you saw was our first update um, titled The Raft. So that was just getting the infrastructure set up to run Unity in the web browser 
and you were just a raft on an ocean and you could swim around and meet people and voice chat with them. So traditionally, AAA game studios, they kind of build out in a silo for a very long time. Um, and you hear about this a lot. So they'll build a, a, a very big game design document and it'll, they'll take, you know, five, six years to build it out to completion alone, like in a silo, not kind of talking to their users, not building community, and they'll just release it. Um, we're kind of taking a different approach, uh, very indicative of our Minecraft past, where every week we'll just push what we have progress-wise to the public and let them decide, let them kind of see what we're building. Every week, me and Dayton get get on YouTube live for a town hall with our community, and we kind of talk about what we've been building, what we're going to be building next week, and uh, do a little Q&A. So every week, our community is seeing something new and seeing what we're building iteratively, right? So with us, we all, we have a game design document, you know, our vision for what it could be and all the features we want to, to be in this game. So we've broken that down into, you know, seven releases and then broken that down further into, you know, actual smaller bundles. So each week, as things get completed, we just push that dev build out to the community and they kind of get to play with it while we're building with it. Oh, man, that's so cool. Okay. So, I mean, this is something, uh, you know, the community aspect is something that I see quite frequently in Web3. And I, I really enjoy that, you know, love Web3 or hate it. Uh, I think the, the the attention that has, uh, that you know, that community has gotten um, is just something that's incredible. Um, were you guys always really, you know, onto that? Did you guys understand the importance of community building while building the actual product? Or was that something that really came in, uh, you know, into fruition when uh, you got into the Web3 space with this pivot? We've always known that community is, you know, is, is key to, to things like this. Because from the, from the Minecraft stuff, right, you don't really get to decide, you know, if your product is successful or not. Your users do. Your community does. So, you know, having that communication with them is pretty important. And unlike when we were kids, Discord was never a thing, right? We would have to make forms. Like, I don't know if anyone knows, like, Xenfro or Engine. That's where we would have all of our users on these forms website because there was no real-time communication besides Skype, which we kind of used, which was mainly just for small groups of people and people-to-people uh, -people communication. So we've always known that community is very important because they're the ones that get to decide, you know, whether you're successful they're the ones that will tell you, you know, what you're doing right, what you're doing wrong. You do more what they love and you fix what they hate, right? Right. So that's what's really cool because every week we have that constant feedback with such a massive diverse com uh, community we've built with Castaways via that Discord, really. That Discord is the hub of all of our users, which is awesome. Yeah, that, that's, I mean, damn, you guys hit it right on the head. That's That's really great to see. I mean, even now as uh you know community in general you know it's gotten so popular it's like a buzzword at this point which is insane um <laughs> you know i'm thinking back to like you know 2017 2018 uh when i was started you know starting to check out discord and um you know it really didn't exist in like a, a, you know any significant way um, at least you know from what i could see um and uh, especially you know businesses it wasn't front of mind you know there was marketing um but you know community that there was just no such thing unless you were really you know forward forward looking um so it's great to see that you guys are, are really leaning into that and um you know it makes all the sense in the world when you think about it you know your users are are what counts you know you're building this for them um yeah, so exactly yeah i love that awesome
Um, yeah, you're you're right. That it, it has become quite the buzzword, and um, hopefully, you know, a lot of good comes out of that. But it is about community. It is about building and listening to your users, because they they know, right? Like your users know what what the right and wrong is. If you have enough of them, they'll they'll let you know what's working and they'll let you know what to fix, which is right. awesome because you know you're not going in blindly if you're talking to them and. You know your your users are why you're building something. If you have if you're building something great, you're building most likely you're building it for other people. So you know having that line of communication with them is really cool. Yeah, and Discord seems to be attracting most uh, community focused startups. Um, is were you guys looking into any alternatives? I mean, given the fact that you know you were so um, you know ahead of of your time. Um, looking, uh, you know, working in, uh, working on other, um, you know, like the office app sort of niche, uh, I guess you could be viewed as like a futuristic version of Slack. Um, <laughs> yeah. Was there, were there any other apps like aside from discord that really stood out? No. So really, um, we even had a discord community for the office app at that time. So really discord seems to be, um, a great platform for cultivating your audience. It, it really does have those tools that you need to kind of bring everyone together in a organized fashion. So it's worked yeah. out pretty great. It seems to be working out great for you guys, and it's pretty good. It's a pretty good app. Yeah. Um, cool. So now looking into the future of um, of Branch and Castaways, what are you what are you what are you seeing? What are you guys working on? Um, is it really just, you know, work uh, for, you know, the indefinite future on, on Castaways? Are you guys working on other things? So Castaways is what we're full steam ahead building right now. And Castaways can kind of be explained as Animal Crossing meets Minecraft in the browser. So basically what we're building is a massive social game. When you think about, you know, current crypto game fi, you re there's really three people in this in this uh, in this space. Three three uh, target users, right? So you've got the you know NFT crypto bro who buys these NFTs as a speculative investment. He doesn't necessarily care about you know the game or what's being built up behind it. He's kind of just buying it for the investment purposes, right? Then you've got the people that understand you know token tokenomics. So they're playing these games to kind of earn tokens. And uh, you know maybe like little sub NFTs and items and whatnot, and they'll they'll go ahead and like trade them and sell them. And then you kind of have the third person that no one's thinking about right now, and that's your average gamer that doesn't necessarily care about crypto NFTs and maybe has a disdain for them because of you know what he's what they have heard. So they're not being thought about right now. When you think about you know the game fi it's still you're still building a game you're, you're we're, we're building a fun game first and foremost before we're building a crypto game and that's kind of the key for us right so everything we do we're building a game it's kind of like imagine if you were building a traditional like triple a game and you started talking about oh yeah we're going to use mysql as the back end and you're not going to believe this new redis upgrade that we're using to streamline things no you, you wouldn't say that to your users right so why would you tell them, you know, what chain or, you know, what technology it's being built on when they just want to play a fun game? Right. No, that makes sense. Um, and again, that you, you guys are focusing on lowering, uh, you know, obviously it's different than the Office app, but in a sense, you're lowering the barrier of entry 
from a psychological standpoint. Um, you know, it's it's appealing to people who are interested in Web3, as well as people who don't care for it much. Um, and it, I think it has the, the chance to really uh, convert people, you know, in a positive way, um, you know, to be favorable of Web3, you know, because they have a chance to see that Web3 isn't, you know, just scams and, you know, influencers, you know, doing rug pulls. Um, it's actually innovative, fun things. Um, and that's, that's, that's one thing that I, I really like about what you guys are doing. Um, interesting. So now, uh, I want to talk about where you see yourself personally, um, in the next years. Are you, are you still working on, uh, branch and castaways? Um, until it's, until we've kind of hit all the goals we reached out with castaways. Yeah, that's what we're going to be working on. But, you know, regardless of, of when we do hit these goals, I'm I'm still going to be building things, you know. Every one of us are still going to be building things because that's just our nature. There's, it's never going to, you know, we're never going to be satisfied. There's going to always be the next project to build. But um, yeah, yeah. Oh man, uh, a builder at heart. That's nice to see. Absolutely, um, of course. Yeah. So okay, got it. And uh, you know having started out at like such a young age uh and you know really successfully at that um do you have any any advice for people you know listening um who are you know either just getting started or who who you know who've got their their foot in the door um and might want to build something you know as big a, as you have yeah so the interesting thing is i imagine like i said earlier with the paypal situation i imagine kids are going to have wallets before they ever have bank accounts, you know, soon, very soon, if not already. So the the opportunities that, you know, the our generation has enabled and that we have at our fingertips now with all these platforms like Discord and crypto and all these, you know, builder focused groups is a lot more than, you know, what I had, what we had trying to build all this stuff in Minecraft and whatnot. So I think, you know, one of the cool things, and again, is which is why I love Builder Group, is, you know, finding these groups of people, of like-minded individuals to kind of, you know, know and network and, you know, meet other people that are doing the same thing you, you're doing. Because you're not the only one trying to, you know, build great things. And there's a lot of similarities between, you know, no matter what you're building, there's a lot of similarities with what you're going to go through. So having a good, strong support network is really helpful. Love that. Love that. Awesome. Um, so just a quick reminder to people listening right now. Um, I know that this is a community full of like developers. So if you're shy and you don't want to turn your mic on, no problem. Um, but we do have a Q&A thread in the events channel. So if you guys have any questions for Charles, you can either write them in that thread or you can just use like the little uh, raise my hand function in Discord and uh, you can just, you know, come on up and, and talk directly to him. Um, so while you guys figure out if you want to do that, I'm actually just going to read some Q&A questions for Charles. Um, all right, so starting off, um, Dusto asks, how do you think social gaming will be impacted uh, with Web3? So the thing that Web3 enables, well, there's a few things, but one of them 
my personal favorite is interoperability, right? So my identity through these games as they're being built will be able to be saved and persistent. So if I, let's say on Castaways, you know, I craft a pickaxe, I might be able to go and take that into, you know, RuneScape or some other game and use that same pickaxe and it might have, you know, similar effects or different effects. If I earn a cosmetic in RuneScape, I could take that to Castaways. So as we start seeing, you know, these big games being built in the GameFi space, I think we're going to see a lot of interoperability, which I'm personally excited about. Yeah, that's super interesting. Um, all right. Web3 uh, Gurus asks, actually, a few questions. Uh, first off, what difficulties do you face while building Branch? Oh, boy. Hmm. So... There's a, I think the, the biggest difficulty is for, for us right now, because we're still in this, so we're, we're still in this proving phase of building out our vision. So we're, we're not, we're not really getting too much pushback on what we're building yet, but there is a huge disdain for crypto. So sourcing talent has become quite a challenge because gamers especially have a very negative out, uh, mindset around crypto because of all of what's in the news and what most people use it for. So it's kind of hard, and gamers are usually the ones who are building the games as well. So it's it's that's a little bit there, and that's kind of what we hope to break down with Castaways as well, and show people that this technology can be used for good, and what it's going to enable gamers, the value that it can provide to them. Yeah, that's great. Um, the second question is, which L1 chain will Branch be utilizing for their games? And will it be their own L1 or an existing L1 like, and I might be butchering this pronunciation, but Catechus? So we're not married to any chain yet. We did just release our first chain integration on ETH, um, which was the Raft collection, which basically enables you to claim an island you know once once we have this integration out so we released a hundred rafts for free anyone could mint them they minted out instantly we did this live on town hall which was pretty exciting it was exciting to do that live so those are on eth um but as far as the game mechanics we're not uh, we're not married to a chain yet whatever chain allows us to build the functionality we're looking for we'll uh we'll end up going with i, I I'm, not, I'm not sure if we're going to build our own that seems like quite the endeavor Cool. Okay. I didn't understand a word of that because I'm not a technical person, but it sounds very complicated and very <laughs> interesting. Um, okay. So third question is, uh, how long do they think uh, the gaming industry will pivot from Web 2 to Web 3? I think once there's value in it for gamers specifically, it'll be a lot easier to get them onto Web 3. And the thing we're doing with Castaways, again, is you know we're not necessarily saying, hey, this is a crypto game just as you wouldn't say hey this is built on mysql and aws it's just a fun game and the crypto part of it enables interesting you know economics that weren't previously possible so the minute you know there's a lot of games that provide value to the user that's when uh, you'll start seeing a mass pivot awesome um and the last question from this guy is uh how are you able to raise so much money um please give some tips in pitching to investors, I, I know that you weren't the one who was, you know, leading all this, but maybe you maybe you picked something up. So there's actually a great tweet thread from Dayton um, about how he did raise uh, the first seed round. So I'll link that in this channel here after this, and uh, 
it's it, he kind of explained start to finish how he how that how that worked so it's a great tweet thread to read awesome yeah i mean building in public like that is, is so useful to to new builders so i appreciate you linking that um Raumax asks uh for a brief introduction of yourself i, I think um if if they want they can uh listen to the beginning but if you want to give like you know a one-liner go for it minecraft bro turned actual game builder i guess <laughs> <laughs> yeah that works that works uh leaving out a lot of meat there i feel like uh, you're being very <laughs> humble but got it um all right and the last question is from dylan he asks what encouraged you to set up home in seattle over other cities by the way this is an la native so yeah so um uh, nothing particular other than the fact that uh, Connor, one of the co-founders, was native to here. So we kind of all centered around that. Seattle's a really great game, or a really great, or it's a really great city for gaming. Um, you have Unity here, a lot of even other crypto uh, game studios starting up around here. So it's um it's a it's, it's a really good place to start a game studio, actually. Awesome. Yeah, I never knew that. Actually, pretty cool. Um, all right. Yeah. So last call, if anyone has any questions, it's in the events channel. You use, there's like a Q and a thing, but, um, if, uh, you guys have any questions afterwards, I'm sure Charles will, uh, will see them and get back to you. And, uh, and yeah, the link also to the, the funding thread, um, will leave us there afterwards. So, all right, Charles, I was, it was really interesting talking with you. I, I appreciate your time. Um, uh, okay, actually, I'm sorry. We have just one last question from Funny. Uh, if you were going for a consumer-based app to get to uh, from the get-go, sorry, instead of Office, do you think you would have continued? You know, I'm not sure. I think naturally it makes the most sense that we went consumer-based because of the opportunities it enables, especially with uh, growth. But yeah, potentially, honestly, I'm not sure. All right, there you go, funny. Um, <laughs> okay. All right, yeah, no more. I'm not going to read any more. If you want to reply to them afterwards, go for it. Um, but all right, I, I really appreciate uh, your time, Charles. Absolutely. Thanks so all much right. for having me. Of course, of course, anytime. All right, cheers. Cheers.